This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Tom Bernard Show with... L.A. Nick. Andy Brant Bernard. Cassie Schrader. And we'll be right back in seconds. Kick things off. Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. And it's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and <laughs> it's gentlemen. Been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Doug Sprinthal, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. Tell us about this warranty for life thing. I, you, know, you know, you understand a lot more about this than I do. Well, of course. I know you're not an automotive mechanic. So let me tell you a cool story. This just happened a couple of days ago. I got an email. Somebody emailed me at Doug at Walzer.com, and he goes, Hey, I bought a 2005, and I think it was a Honda Accord, back in 2014, having some problems with the engine. Uh, do I have any coverage? So I called the Honda store. We looked it up, and sure enough, the card qualified for a lifetime powertrain warranty. So it had to be under 60,000 miles at the time of purchase, a non-highline vehicle. And they covered the engine repair. Think about what that means. That's a 13-year-old car, and the guy got his engine replaced. It doesn't cover every single thing on the car, but all the, it's like major medical coverage. So the engine goes bad, transmission, four-wheel drive system. You're covered as long as you own the car, as long as you maintain it to factory standards. It's pretty cool. It actually is really cool. Well, I mean, it's a lot cooler than you or me. Well, it is really cool, though. Yeah, I mean, you know, 15-year-old car. And that's why I buy all my cars, and my family buys all their cars from Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com, because of warranty for life. And you like working with me, too, right, Tommy? Tommy? Tom? I I don't think he's there. (laughs) That's really nice. Very professionally (laughs) delivered from Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Back in the saddle again. So this morning (laughs) on the KQ Morning Show, I'm talking on the air first thing, and my phone starts ringing. Wasn't me. No, wasn't you. It was Joe from Louisville. And I said, oh, damn, I forgot to turn my ringer off. And I said, oh, it's a listener. Because I didn't want to rat Joe out, but he just ratted himself out. He just sent me a text that says, is your ringer off? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, laugh it up, Joe. Laugh it up, Pally. I, t- I texted you last Thursday. Yeah, I never got Doug that Doug was on the show because I want to know if Walzer Automotive did tires. They do. They do do tires, and they're actually very competitive in tires. So if you need tires. Right now, people don't understand, this is tire season because when it gets cold, your mm-hmm. tire pressure on your car and your tires go way down. Yep. Mm-hmm. So check your tires because everybody's tires are very low right now. It'll go, it'll go down about so, 6 PSI. Yeah, check your tires, and if you need tires, remember, Walzer does do tires. What I wonder what the pressure is supposed to be on my Mustang. Thirty-two. Thirty-two. I always Most put in cars. forty. What? Well, forty high. Mm-hmm. It's high. Isn't that high. In the wintertime, I always put in forty. You should do lower in the winter. 
Because it'll in the summer it'll go back up and. Well, yeah, I always put a forty because as I'm driving, you can feel. I mean, it starts to. Well, you want a softer tire in the winter. Yes, in the snow. Yes. In the snow, but yes. on dry, like on dry. Some, roads, it's it fine. depends what size tire you have. Some tires are forty. Size yeah. thousand. So depends Just on the tire size. Yeah, I think I have either fifteen or sixteen. Uh, 32 yeah. is like minimum. If you don't have 32, it's... So should, well, yeah. I, should I put 32 in my Mustang tires? I don't know what size tire, what your Mustang do you have. Uh, It'll be somewhere oh, between 30 and 35. So I think that's a 16-inch yeah. tire. So yeah. I think that's probably right. Yeah, 30, 38, mm-hmm. or somewhere in there. 30, 38? No, between 32 and 38. Okay, so I should do 35? Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Okay, because I used to put the air in at my house. I, I used, a, I I used to joke around. I used to joke around with girls and say, "Do you know in the winter time you have to let all the summer air out of your tires? <laughs> put summer winter air. Put oh, winter air. Yeah. Oh, you have to I've, put winter I've air in your that. tires." <laughs> I've heard that. Well, I have my car. Well, I put 40 psi in my Escape that I have because I'll be like driving in the winter time, and if I have like 35, if it drops very slightly i get the alarms start going off yeah. our honda is the same way so i i always put in 40 because then i don't have to worry about the dinger going off right. saying our, our, tire our, pressure. our honda is the same way you have oh. to overfill because it's constant aggravation <laughs> yeah really yes it's yeah annoying. they're very sensitive those sensors oh yeah i can't give you the specifics but i did receive an email this morning from a person high up in the industry it says the kqrs is still one of the most Profitable radio stations in America. It's probably that, the only one. <laughs> it might be the only one still making a profit. It's because of guys like Doug Sprinthal at Walzer and Michael Bryant. No, I'm serious. It's probably but one of the only nice. profitable stations going. That might be true. I don't know of another one. There are a few, I guess, but not many. I think Dallas is still a pretty good market. Is it? I think Dallas is still a pretty good market. I know that Steve Dahl is leaving radio next month. Yeah, I heard that. I hate that. I love Steve Dahl. Yeah, he's been had a long run. He has had a long run, and he's one of the best. Well, he reinvented radio. There's no question he did. There's no no doubt about that. You know that. what's fun? There's no no there'll be no new greats. Nope, it's not going to happen. Nope. I guess. There's no no great anything. Well, listen to this. This this just popped up. Fox News host Laura Ingram, the most listened to woman in America on political talk radio, uh, is ending her daily three-hour-long radio show to launch a podcast. She's getting off the radio and jumping on a podcast. She's launching an original series for Podcast Network, Podcast One. Ginny Hubbard, well, the Hubbard family. Gotta get paid. Got gotta get paid, man. <laughs> While hosting a primetime television show and raising three children on my own, a continuing uh, three-hour morning radio show was no longer feasible. Ingram said in the announcement, oh, you candy ass. I've been doing it for 48 years, big baby. Well, she's taking care of three kids. Uh, who didn't do that? <laughs> Although I will greatly miss my radio listeners and affiliates, why would you miss your radio listeners? They'll go listen to you on podcasts. Hopefully. Look, you have to understand something. Podcasts are going to be able to be available on your car radio within the next probably 24 months. You'll punch them up just like you would a radio station. I think they already are. Not a lot of, but I'm talking about widespread. Yeah. And uh, matter of fact, I have a meeting. I can't really say who with who right now about um, availability for this show, which could mm-hmm. change this show greatly. That would be awesome. Because a lot of people, I mean. Pretty much anybody over 45, some people do it, but anybody over 45 does not want to sit around and go to figure out how to download a podcast. They just don't want to do that. Well, you can listen to it live. <clears throat> you can listen to it live, yeah. TomBernardShow.com. Although I will greatly miss my radio listeners and affiliates, working late nights and early mornings has taken a toll on my family life. Ingram continued, plus my radio audience is smart, savvy, and committed, and I know most will follow my new show in the format that is revolutionizing the, uh, revolutionizing the audio world, digital podcasting. Here's what I love. I've been talking about digital podcasting. We're in our, what, in our seventh year on this show? 1,500 episodes today. Yeah, 1,500 episodes. Now everybody's like, the new revolution. Yeah, (laughs) seven years ago, I flew around the United States to Atlanta, Chicago, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, New York, to try to tell people digital podcasting is the future of the business. Doesn't mean that FM's ever going away because FM is free. It's the only thing left that's free. AM radio, nobody listens to because the audio quality is not good enough. So, And you have a short window in, in radio, too. It's only the drive time. 
Yeah, that's pretty much true. Right it anymore, is, yeah. it's drive time. No, you're right, it is. So uh, the new show, the Laura Ingram Show, launches in January. Due to her huge success on the Fox News Channel, daily podcasts are a much better fit for Laura's hectic schedule and provides her listeners in all markets access at any time to the new Laura Ingram Show podcast. Podcast One CEO Norm Paddett said, I, I, I don't think I would, I would let, if I do ever end up back on Podcast One, which we were on one time before, but I didn't really like the regime at the time. But if I do end up ba- back on there, uh, I would I would ask Jenny Hubbard to comment, not him. <laughs> I would. I've known her since she was like nine years old. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty interesting. I mean, it's very exciting to be uh, affiliated with one of the most, or maybe the only successful radio station left in America. Well, the only prof- no, there are some. Only, I think it's one of the only profitable. It is very profitable because most radio stations are not profitable. No, they're not. That's that is true. KQRS is very profitable. Well, I looked at our latest demos, and I can't really be specific because then Nielsen gets all whipped up if you do that. But uh, 18 to death, listen to the KQ Morning Show. It's amazing. That's a, that's a big range. It's a big range, man. Big so range. thank you to everybody except for Joe from Louisville, who's a smart ass <laughs> about my ringtone. So don't worry about me or my personal feelings. So Laura Ingram will be dropping radio for podcasting. Uh, it may happen more and more. And the only good thing for me about that is if it does happen more and more, then I'll just even make more money on the radio for the radio station. Because we'll be the only ones left to listen to. They don't have no choice but there to are pay some, you. There are still some good people that, out there on the radio, in the radio business. But you're right. There's nobody behind us. No, it's, it's, it's dying art. It is indeed. So I, I will have fun as long as I live probably being on the radio and on podcasting. But uh, You might be the last man me. standing. I could be, yeah. Yeah. No, you're. I, I know that sounds, sounds funny, serious. but it is true. Yeah, you could be last man standing <laughs> on the radio. <laughs> last guy ever on the radio. You'll be on 24 hours a day. Mark, just, yeah. Just keep you know replaying the KQ Morning Show. You know, i got to tell you something that's really terrible, though, and mm. I, I hate to admit this, but it's true. Who we got? Alex is here. Wow. Yay. matter of fact, I was just going to talk about you and the fact that uh, about a month ago, because... Well, it was more than a month ago, and I was in October. Uh, no, it was about a month ago. Yeah, it was about a month ago. I talked about winning the uh, winning the a spot in the Broadcasting Hall of Fame in the state of Minnesota, and last year in the National Radio Hall of Fame in Chicago. I said there's only one left. Then it's the NAB, right? So I just have to win the NAB award, and that'll work out, and blah blah blah, right? Uh, I was getting the Christmas decorations done. We decorated our tree early because I have to leave for Vegas tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I found from 2006 my Marconi Award from the NAB. I won it already, <laughs> and I forgot. <laughs> That's terrible. Whoops. Surprised they didn't remind you. Yeah. When you said it on the air. I guess. But seriously. Well, I, you knew you won the Marconi Award. But I forgot. I forgot that I won the Marconi Award for well, the so you, were looking at- you just stashed them in boxes in the attic. Uh, yeah, they were actually in drawers <laughs> down down in the in the uh, first level. They're not like displayed anywhere. No, just thrown in a box in the. There's closet. not one that's up. Why? Now, I just don't you have like an office at home? You just put them out. I have an office, but I well, you know what? I do have my National Radio Hall of Fame thing up, but it, but that's a, a little glass thing. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't, put, office, he wouldn't put the effort to hammer a nail into the wall. And oh, that's it. what it is. It couldn't be humility. It'd have to be, I won't make an effort. Alex has joined I actually, us. I actually believe that after some stories Catherine have told me. Oh, you don't want me touching, say, you don't want me touching wrenches no. or hammers. Hammer. Not a good idea. And you don't want me making dinner for you. Or a lawnmower or a tractor. Or, nope, not a chance, man. No. I think, to tell you the truth, and this is not a horrible thing to say, it's a neighborhood thing to say. And they say it to me all the time, because I grew up in a again in a in a Catholic and Black and Jewish neighborhood, pretty much primarily Catholic. There were other Christians there, but primarily Catholic. But the old Jews west of Penn used to say, "Tom, I saw you out the mowing the lawn. Don't you realize you're actually a Jew? We don't do that." <laughs> Because <laughs> apparently I was doing such a bad job of doing it. Oh they thought I, oh, God, it's true. It's just a disaster. How can you not cut grass? I don't know how. 
It's uh, like the easiest. Who thing. cut the grass at the at the house home that I have now? Who cut the who cut that? Grass? We had a service. Oh, you had somebody. We had a service do it. Yeah. You don't want me touching mechanical stuff. I'm telling it's you. It's just not. I mowed the lawn when we lived in St. Paul, and it was not. I really enjoyed being cut in the grass. A lot of people do. It clears your mind. It's, yeah. a mindless, it's a mindless chore that clears your mind. Yeah, I listen to classical music and mow the lawn. Yeah. There the you go. Very relaxing. It's very relaxing. My favorite is, I told this story last week, but you weren't here. Tim Laudner and I were driving up north to go to a golf tournament, and I got a flat tire. I pulled over, and I go to get out of the car, and Laudner goes, don't touch the tire. I said, yeah. what, do you t- what? He goes, I'll change the tire. So he changes the tire. I'm just kind of standing there watching, and we get back in the car. I said, why did you want to change the tire? He goes, I am not riding in the car that you put the spare tire on. It's like, oh, thanks, Timmy. Thanks so much for that. I yeah. feel so much confidence Pretty now. Pretty much the, the picture Catherine painted. Oh, it just, Catherine's absolutely right about it. Did you hear what she did to me last night? No. I'm getting over this cold. There's I haven't a little, talked during a couple of days. A little bit of it left, but, but it's almost all gone now. So I go to kiss her goodnight last night. She wraps a two, not one, but two blankets around her entire head so I got to kiss her right on top of the head. Well, she doesn't want to be sick. God, unbelievable. She doesn't want to be sick. She's amazing. She made me schedule my hernia surgery this morning, too. Hey! Yeah, it's only been a couple of months. Yeah. They only told me two, three months ago that if it pops out, it'll kill me. So, so. How, what was the symptoms that you know, that you thought that you had? I didn't. I went and had the full physical. There's a mass found it. growing, you know. Mm-hmm. No, there's no mass growing. It's a hole, actually. Okay. How'd they find it? I think he poked his finger in there. Because somebody else just told me this same story. Oh, yeah. And the doctor said, you have, you have a hernia you need to be operated on. And he went to another doctor and they said, you don't have no hernia. Well, hopefully that'll be you true. You have a hernia. You've had hernias before. I've had but three, you don't lift, two, three, two. Lift and what? Lifting weights. Uh, I was a weights. huge power lifter when I was, a, yeah. I was younger. Yeah, I was in my 20s. That'll do the damage. When is your hernia surgery? I don't know. Okay. I just made the appointment for the initial consult. Oh. Today. I think the most important thing any surgery is that anesthesiologist make sure. I don't take that. You, what do you do? I have had surgeries <laughs> on my lower abdomen and I do it awake. What do you, I don't get numbed at all. I, it doesn't hurt. They have to give you a local. <clears throat> they don't give me a local. You can ask Dr. Basham. You're he, not he, getting put under. No. You were put under for your big surgery that you had a few years ago. Oh, uh, that one. And that's the last one I said. I, they it don't give you sick. a local? Nope. You're he crazy. Was, he was digging in there last year, like digging around in there and with doing all nothing. kinds. With nothing. But you, the, it doesn't bother me. Your pain and your skin has to feel that pain when they it's cut It's nothing you, at all. It, it really, it, does, it feels. And I don't have that. What is it? Uh was it congenital analgesia when you can't feel anything? Yeah, yeah. no, you definitely don't have that. I don't that. have that. Because <clears throat> they can't even I've feel if you touch their hand. I must, have the simil- I must have the same gene because I had two really? kids without any you anything. You cut yourself and, and you yeah. don't, it doesn't hurt? No, it doesn't hurt at all. That's freaking no, it somebody, hurts. That's not true. He'll, like, you know, hit his knee and he'll swear. And well, well, no, like, but he's no, talking about hit, cutting. Cutting. I'm talking about getting cut. The cutting does not hurt. Because I get cut, it hurts. Yeah, that's what everybody tells me. <laughs> what? Seriously? If he got a paper well, cut, human? He, you'd hear I son of a. Only because it starts bleeding. No, it's. I just you're got being one, so but weird. it's already gone. I'm not you, being weird. No, paper just, cuts actually, a, paper we cuts have to actually hurt the worst. Well, there's a difference between like cutting your hand accidentally and Boy, like going and having time. surgery. We'll be right back with more of Alex's rant. Yep. Get ready. Tom Bernard show. Tom Bernard here with the founder and CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski was here to talk about a great service and an app that you can get and use from North American Banking Company called XCheck. Tom, it's a payment app we developed. We wanted a simple application that was safe and secure, easy to use, and a way in which you could pay the kid who cuts your grass, shovels your snow, way you could split a dinner check without having to exchange cash, without having to write a check. The app processes the payment, puts it right into the receiver's account literally the same day. It's free to our customers. It's safe, secure, and easy to use. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, celebrating 20 years of providing a better banking experience. Check out nabankco.com slash kq for more about XCheck. Member FDIC and equal housing lender. Mike is a disaster. Now, wait a minute. You better cut out that. <laughs> Tommy. 
<laughs> Tommy, 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 Tommy. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. Whiting Clinic has changed their name to include their two specialties, LASIK and cataract surgery. Whiting Clinic is best known for their amazing LASIK results and ability to enhance thousands of lives by restoring vision to clarity without the need for glasses or contacts. You've heard me rave about them for years. You know that. But did you know they're also experts in cataract surgery? Yes, indeed, and I'm a perfect example of their good work. You know what I'm saying. I see so clearly now. When my clear LASIK vision started to fade due to cataracts, Whiting Clinic took care of me again and have the most advanced lens technology so I can see far away and up close without wearing any glasses. If you're over 60 and have noticed your vision starting to fade, call the experts at Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. To learn more about your options for cataract surgery and clearer vision, visit whitingclinic.com or call 855-554-2020. That's 855-554-2020. And please tell them Tom sent you. I brought up the uh, subject this morning uh, on the KQ Morning Show. I brought it up yesterday here. Uh, Geraldo Rivera's been on this show several times, he's been on the morning show many, many times, and I heard him talking about a movie that came out. He's got that new show on the Reels channel. Yeah, yeah. It's called Murder in the Family, I yeah. think it's called. But he was talking about Benicio Del Toro, and he said, he, he went like this, and a lot more people are doing this. He goes, starring Benicio Del Toro. Okay. <laughs> That's how he pronounced it. Benicio del Toro. Well, his, his right? Spanish was coming out in him. Right. But here's the problem. Passel pointed out this morning. I can read the line, uh, and the two men arrested were Johnny Johnson and Patty Fitzgerald. Now, if I did the same thing that Geraldo did, I'd go, the two men arrested were Yanni Janssen and <laughs> Patty Fitzgerald. Why Yanni don't we do that Yanni. with other... You do that with Italian uh, words, Hispanic, but no other Hispanics words. Hispanics always do it when they talk about their own. They always. always 100%. They do always. You do it anytime you say anything Italian. Yeah, look, that already came up on the show because you yeah, turned on me with, with Brittany. True. Just because I say mozzarella, it's no, mozzarella. You, every Italian word you've used the well, Italian no, that's accent. the Italian way. I mean, it's well, that's, how you pronounce so the words. The Hispanic way of saying the words. Well, why don't we go? Patty Fitzgerald was arrested. Well, today, why don't you do that? But oh, but you only, do the Italian oh, words, I, but not I, the I Irish words. Only Hispanic like newscasters all do that to the they do their own kind. <laughs> Nobody do. else does it. No, have, you're absolutely right. <laughs> like you don't see it's black hilarious. people doing it. Or, oh goddamn! Or, <laughs> or Irish or Italian or any other newscasters <laughs> doing it, but all the Hispanic ones do do it. That's you know Becky. Yeah, my friend. I have a friend. Becky, she's from England. She's from Wales, actually. She's not from well, Wales. The border of Wales. Wales. She's not from Wales. She's near Wales, but not Wales. Wales. Thousandth time, she's not. From there were a couple <laughs> of whales on the. No, never. <clears throat> anyway, we were in Vegas for the KQ trip a couple years ago, and yes. our waitress was taking our order, and she was reading it back to us, and she was, "Do you remember this? I think you were there." She was like, you know, one no, turkey club, working. one mac and cheese, a Diet Coke, and then two bottles of San Pellegrino. <laughs> it was like... San Pellegrino. It was like, what? San Pellegrino. We looked at each other like, what? She just, like, got, yeah, she just got this, like, very extravagant accent saying San Pellegrino. But I do not say things I... like lasagna. I don't say that. That's and that's true. how you actually pronounce it, is lasagna. I say lasagna. Yeah, thank God. Guess but where I'm say... going next Tuesday. Let's guess. To hell uh, in a handbasket? Yep, Wales. I knew it. Wales. <laughs> Wales. She's going to Wales You're going to Wales. Week. Yep. Cool. Now, where are you going next week? La Grassa. Next week? Yep, I'm going on Tuesday. Are you going to run up the bill? Yep. Who are you going with? My friend Krista. Are you going to have him take Linus's care of Linus's mom. Oh, Linus's I'm mom. I'm taking She's her. Nice. She's never been there, and we're going on a mom's night out. Are you going to... Are you going to... Tell him. No, you know I'm not good at that. Why don't you tell him? Because it's weird. I hate that. You know who my father is? That's not what I, you know, I'm talking about. You don't you know who my dad is? <laughs> don't you know who I am? <laughs> yeah, oh, no, I hate that no, so I, like Isn't it that. horrible? Yes. Don't you know who I am? See, no, I have I no idea. To, I just I look at him and I go, yeah, but I don't give a damn. Well, that too. <laughs> I've said that before. That too. After the minute I said that one time, and the second it came out of my mouth, I went, what the hell did I just do? <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, I forget, you know I forget I the situation I was in, but I did say it, and I was like, why did I say that? Because uh, it, it doesn't do you any good. No. It's going to come back and just pompous. destroy you. <laughs> okay, so here we go. We were just talking about the fact that uh, younger people now do not want to buy houses for much more than about $400,000. So, yeah, that's what it is. That the upper that's, end, that's the, the upper end that's, market is not moving at all. Yeah, right I have now. a friend that's house hunting, and she gave me her, um, like their price range, and it was over four hundred thousand. I was like, "Excuse me, you really? fancy? Well, yeah. Where's where she looking at? It? Big uh, shot, like Plymouth, oh. Plymouth. Can't help her there. No. Dejana Lieva never stops dreaming about what's next. Living in New York City, the 34-year-old entrepreneur has taken on a variety of projects throughout the years, including working at corporate jobs, building a branding agency of her own, and helping to run a nonprofit. There are just so many ways to make money now, she said. We're so fortunate to be in this era where if you have the Internet, you can make money. You can get on Fiverr and offer someone to, to sing a song about their name. You can go out and sell your things. There's just so many different ways to make money. Growing up as an immigrant in a shared Brooklyn apartment, Lieva, it's probably Eva because it's LL. Would it be Eva then? L-L-E what? L-L-I-E-V-A. It's a pretty strange spelling. It would be the Lieva or Eleva. Eva. Well, LL is yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That would be well, except Yeva. Yeah, that would be like Yeva. It would be not a good name. No, no. Her name is Yeva. That's what I thought. Learn to hustle to achieve her goals. Here's how she started with nothing and now earns one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, which is nice, but not in New York City. I'm sorry. New York City. That's poverty. That's poverty <laughs> in New York City. One hundred fifty grand a year. Are you sure it's not, not a lot of money? Are you no. sure it's not Ilieva? It's L L I. Are you sure? Well, it's it. It might be I. It might be Ilieva, which is a name. So why would the L and the I look the same though? Because the I is capitalized and the L is not. Yeah, it is. So there. Yeah, you it is. It is capitalized. The second, the second line is is capitalized too. It just goes line, line, I E V A. Important stuff here. I'm pretty sure yeah, it's. It is. I'm pretty sure we're. It's Ilieva, which is. Okay, an, we're just going to call her name. Santina. Is yeah, she? How about that? Is she Slavic? The Santina. Uh, she is. Doesn't say what she is. Well, then I think she's probably. Disaster. Slavic. That's probably what she is. Probably. Although, okay, I'll go with Ilieva. Has has had held numerous corporate jobs. Yeah, we already, <laughs> already talked about that part. Uh, it's how much? Oh, here we go. Uh, it affects how uh, she looks at her finances today. Every dollar I spend, I think of how I can make $3 to cover it, she says. I buy a purse for 200 bucks, and I'm like, where am I going to make $500 tomorrow? Don't you buy, should have thought about that before yeah, you bought Yeah, for real. Purse. Don't buy $200 <laughs> purses. She's, how about? A, she's a very attractive young woman, I'll tell you that. It's one of the things she loves about running her own business. That's the beauty of freelance, where you can reach out to people and just come up with a concept or an idea for a business. However, being an entrepreneur poses an organizational and financial challenges. I'm putting aside money to pay for taxes every year. Well, that's a good idea. Well, yeah, you'd hope so. Put aside money to pay your taxes. That's a really <laughs> good plan. Well, that, the situation just went to prison, didn't he? Did he? Yeah. Yeah, he, he went did. to prison because he didn't pay his taxes. Yeah. Mm. How do you think you're going to get away with not paying your taxes? A lot of people think they can do it. You know, I had a guy once steal a lot of money from me. And when the police contacted him about it, you know what he said? Oh, Tom's just mad because he's got tax problems. I was like, no. <laughs> no, actually, I don't. You're a thief and a pig. A lot of a lot of big people don't pay their taxes. I know. Oh, a lot yeah. of celebrities. You know what I was telling somebody? Something you told me, that most very, very wealthy families never own their own home. They just... They don't own they, anything. They don't own anything. Nothing. They don't buy anything. They literally buy a house and, and finance it. Yeah. And if they don't want to live there anymore, they just leave. Yeah. Every every very, very wealthy person <laughs> I know owns... They own nothing. They lease all their cars. They lease their house or they mortgage their house. They don't put any, mo they don't put any money no, in. No, they don't. As little as possible. They that spend as little as me. cash as possible. But they, how can they just keep walking away from these? I suppose if you've got a few hundred million dollars, they're going to finance you. They do it all the time. They just walk and away you know from what? the home. They also, most people with a lot, a lot, a lot of money have bad credit. That's what I understand. That's but they the have so much money, they don't people care. will keep, keep oh, giving yeah. them credit. They, they, they just don't care. We have Dr. Paul Zeitz on the phone. Oh, Paul's ready to go? Yes. We are just talking about how, Paul, are you worth a ton of money? <laughs> no, I'm not. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> I'm wonderful. The reason I ask you that is there's there have been some studies done 
that extremely wealthy people never buy anything. They mortgage it or lease it. And if they don't want to be there anymore, they just walk away. Hmm. Isn't that bizarre? Uh, yeah, I think people with money have a lot of uh, privilege and a lot of advantage, and the system is sort of set up for their benefit. I love this. Dr. Paul Zeitz shares his journey in the new memoir, Waging Justice, which offers a firsthand account of working with two White House administrations, along with other world leaders like Desmond Tutu, and shares how his personal transformation led to global activism and has touched hundreds of thousands of lives. Well, tell me about this, okay, your, your personal transformation. Tell me about your personal transformation. Thank you. Um, it's great to be on your show. Nice um, I recently you, published a memoir called Waging Justice, as you said. And in writing a, a book about my life, I had to study myself. And as a doctor, I have the privilege of uh, identifying new diseases and syndromes. And I'm afflicted with something called self-imposed persistent optimism. Uh, I, wish I, did. I call it self-imposed persistent optimism. I think I have. And I share my story of going into some of the most devastating circumstances uh, on the planet Earth. I was living in Africa in the 1990s in the midst of the AIDS crisis, and uh, where one out of five people, uh, adults, were living with a killer disease. People were dropping dead like flies. And uh, I came back to the States and became part of an advocacy movement, which I describe in the book, Uh, where we mobilized political forces across the political spectrum, far left to far right, in support of saving lives. And so that was uh, an amazing uh, odyssey of uh, progress that can be made when we we come together. Now, Dr. Paul, if I were a religious guy, and I'm not not religious and I'm not non-religious. In other words, what I'm saying... Do, I, do you mind if I call you Dr. Paul, or do you want me to call Dr. No, Zeitz? that's perfect. I love that. Well, yeah. Dr. Paul's great. Dr. Paul sounds good. It does. Dr. Paul's a great name. Um, but in any case, it was just uh, you know going through all these situations with, with people being so negative these days, uh, I, like I said, I'm not smart enough to know if there is or is not a God, so this is either religious or non-religious. I don't know what. But whoever it was must have sent you to me because I, would, I do a morning show as well. And all morning I was talking about, I cannot take this negativity based on nothing anymore. All this hatred and negativity, and it's all based on nothing, but I guess belief in either religion or belief in secularism. So it's nice to hear an optimistic voice about anything at this point, Dr. Paul. (laughs) Thank you. It's true. Yeah, I feel like uh, so many people are trapped in like this endless racketry, I call it. Yeah. The racket between the far left and the far right, and it just sucks out your energy, and it's very demoralizing, and you feel paralyzed and hopeless I gotta and tell uh, yeah. cynical. And so what I've learned to do is, in the face of circumstances, uh, like what we're experiencing, if you turn on the TV at any point and, or read the newspaper, you know, it, it pulls you right into that despair, Yes, uh, is I, I create myself to be optimistic. And I'd like to see everything as a possibility. Like, I believe that Americans are really geniuses at heart, and we're more alike than we are different. Mm-hmm. We're common in that we want to create a better life for our children. We want to be comfortable. We want to have fun. We want good health care. I mean, this is common human aspiration. So I think that we just need to break out of that cycle of, uh, you know, the, the battle or the racket that we're trapped in right now and come up with common sense solutions. Dr. Paul, i got to tell you, you and L.A. Nick is here. You're the only two that haven't heard this. Everybody else in the room, I talked about it a bit yesterday. But I want you to give me the answer to this one, Dr. Paul. Um, <laughs> People magazine just named Idris Elba the sexiest man alive. Idris Elba is an actor, very talented, very nice man, great family man. He's an African-American. Actually, I don't know if he's African-American. He might be English, uh, a black Englishman. I think he is. I think he's English, yeah. So, so um, you can't, I love yes, it when people yes, call English black people African-American. No, they're not. African-American Britain. <laughs> African-American Britain is what you go with. Mm-hmm. But here's the deal. So he's on the yeah, front Yeah, he's cover. born in London, England. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So Idris Elba, sexiest man alive. 
Uh, his picture's on there. He's got this wonderful smile. When he was told he was the sexiest man alive, he said, really? Oh, well, that's very nice of you. Thank you very much. He was very kind. Some people hate the picture of him and hate the idea that he's the sexiest man alive. Why is that? Do you know? You're going to love the answer. You have no idea? I have no idea why. You ready? I don't know. Okay. A black man from England, very successful, nice man, great family man. The whole shoot match, people hate the picture because he's, quote, too masculine. (laughs) Too masculine? He is who he is, right? Well, not in today's world. You can't be anything. That's true. I guess. You know, this whole... this whole. Uh, Everyone's too something. Yeah. Everyone's too something. It's 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 a, it's a lot of miserable people that just want to hate on any, anything so. they can hate on. That's why it's so nice to have Dr. Paul Zeitz on with us today, waging justice. I need to take just a couple of, couple of minute break, if that's okay, Dr. Paul. We'll come right back with you. Is that all right? Yeah, perfect. Thanks. Thank you, sir. Be right back. Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard here to tell you, Priority Courier Experts has immediate openings for drivers looking for more. Priority drivers are independent contractors who set their own hours, start from their own driveways, and deliver local on-call parcels and freight, which means you're home for dinner every night, and you get paid weekly. Right now, Priority's driver-friendly lease-to-own program has brand-new dock trucks, flatbeds, curtain sides, and tractor trailers just waiting to be driven home. And Priority is also offering a $4,000 sign-on bonus to qualified drivers. So if you've got the skills, we can get you qualified to start driving a brand new truck in as little as three days. Calling all drivers. Come get the $4,000 sign-on bonus you deserve for all the knowledge and experience you bring to the delivery business. Call our fleet reps right now at 651-748-4477 or visit them online at Priority.com. Priority Courier Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. Cassie, this music is too masculine. You'll have to take it off. (laughs) It's the very masculine Tom Bernard here with the also ultra-masculine Dr. Paul Zeitz, Z-E-I-T-Z. The book is called Waging Justice. Dr. Paul has a great attitude. Which is very refreshing, Dr. Paul. I love it. Great. <laughs> now you sound like my wife. Like, yeah, great. I adore my wife. I was curious, where, where, uh, where, where do you reside? What state? I live in the state of Maryland, right outside of D.C. Oh, cool. I like Maryland. It's a good place to be. Man, Maryland's nice. I used to hang out in Maryland as a kid in Hagerstown. You know. Yeah, it's a great state. Great people. It really is. Yeah, people. no question about it. Uh I have a good friend. He's an African-American comedian who's from Baltimore. And I was talking to him several years ago, and I had not yet been to Baltimore. And I said to him, where's the ghetto in Baltimore? He goes, well, ghetto, it's north, east, west, and south. Well, it's, it's actually just south. <laughs> Baltimore's bad neighborhood, south, south, south Baltimore. His take on it was the whole city's a ghetto. No, it was at one time. It was at one time. It's not, it's not yes, anymore. That, well, this was... Quite a while. But South Baltimore is rough. I mean, I've been spending some time in Baltimore, and I want to say that I was uh, pretty alarmed to find out that 25% of Baltimoreans live below the poverty level. Yes, right. Yeah, it's true. a serious crisis in our inner cities in Philadelphia, Baltimore, Los Angeles. I don't know about where you are, but uh, many cities are suffering from high rates of poverty, and right. we need to do something about the poverty crisis. Now, Dr. Paul, why is that? Because everywhere I go, there's a job opening sign on the business. Every business I look at has job openings. Are these jobs, and they seem to be jobs uh, that would, would pay not substantially, but a living wage. So why aren't people just going? Well, yeah, I think that there are some jobs available, but there is what is called a cycle of poverty. So people yeah, right, right. are living in an impoverished environment. 
The school systems in those areas is also collapsing. There are poorly educated people. Their family structures are broken down, mainly because of the mass incarceration crisis. And uh, they, have, they have some jobs, you're right, but there's not uh, like a pathway to economic success. And so we need to revitalize these communities, and it's a long-term prospect. And what's happening in some cities is that they're really using the, the uh, opportunity to transition to 100% renewable energy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, clean renewable energy, as an opportunity to give good-paying jobs to a large number of people. So a green jobs uh, kind of opportunity. That makes total sense. By the way, you described my childhood when you were talking about living in the inner city, bad schools. I never finished high school. I never went to college. We lived in abject poverty. But I can tell everybody how to get out of it just like I did. You ready? Yeah. Move. Be opinionated and (laughs) obstinate. There you go. It'll get you right out of the problem. Now, I I think, is is part of the problem, Dr. Paul, a belief in oneself can do people have a really hard time believing in themselves? I think that that is a really important question that you're asking, and it does start with self-love and right. self-compassion. Right. And that is another part of my book that I'm uh, proud to share with you, is that I lived many years of my own life being self with self-hatred and self-loathing. Really? Uh, yeah. And I worked on that. I struggled. I was like, why am I so negative when I'm, you know, privileged and smart and productive? I still have these tapes going on in my head. And uh, I discovered that I was in my 40s, 10 years ago, late mid-40s, that I was a survivor of early childhood sexual abuse. I didn't Uh, know that that had happened to me. I had completely forgotten about it. And so... There's bad things that happen to children in our country. Right. Uh, one out of six boys, one out of three girls, and it messes people up. And so by building stronger communities and stronger families, getting education, healthy food, good jobs, we can, we can turn that around and create safe families for everyone. You know, what's wonderful about what you just said, Dr. Paul, is the fact that you, you were very open and honest about your, your early childhood, your childhood, and now... And you've completely turned it around. You could be sitting around wallowing, and you have every right to sit around and wallow in self-pity because it should have never happened to you. But that's not the path you chose. You chose, how can I make things better by what happened to me, uh, from what happened to me instead of worse? I think that's very admirable. Thank you. Yes, I'm proud that I have the capacity and the agency to be able to do that. And I think that I see that as being possible for all people. Yep. And everyone deserves a winning life. Everyone does, but I, I volunteer a lot in, in the community, and I, I've been in some pretty rough neighborhoods in Philly, in places you were talking about. North Philadelphia is pretty rough, Germantown. Yeah. And I'll tell you, when you have generational poverty, when you're a fifth-generation poverty family, you really don't know another way of life. Like, you really don't learn another way. It, that, that, to me, that's the biggest problem, that nobody's going in there and teaching these kids another way. They you know, only know that way. I got an answer for you on that one. You know, Dr. Paul and L.A. Nick, you know why I, I knew that I could succeed or I wanted to succeed? And this is absolutely true. My sister Bobby, by the way, whose birthday is today, happy birthday to my sister Bobby O'Brien. Um, she's seven years older than me. And when I was a little boy, like five years old, she brought home a record by a guy named Elvis Presley. And there was a big story about how he was lived in poverty, and now he was the king of rock and roll. And I said, although I'll never be as handsome as he is, <laughs> I could do what he did. You know, I could do it. Just having a person like that, Dr. Paul, was very important to me, knowing that this guy started with nothing, living in abject poverty. Those role models have diminished to nothing. They have, have they now? Is that true, Doctor? Yes. There's not many role models for these no. kids living in inner cities That's except gangsters. Bad. Yeah, gangsters is a problem. It, it, yeah, the gangsters. Well, they go to uh, celebrities, uh, musicians, and artists, and, and they sports, go to the sports, sports. figures. Yeah. 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 But the, 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 the odds of you becoming an NBA player Not are good. like, uh, you better yeah, you have a better chance of winning the lotto. Like, you really do. I'm sure that's true, yeah. 
I'm sure that is. I true. think you're right, uh, sir, about the cycle of poverty being entrenched through generations, and I, I do think that that is a major challenge. And I do think that we, as a society, need to figure out how to interrupt that. I agree. And that's, we have to. That's the yeah. biggest thing: is interrupt it. It needs to be interrupted. Works for me. Um, one of the things that I took away from living in poverty power, interrupt us. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> poverty interrupt us. And my my children are here. Uh, our son and our daughter are here, and they will tell you one of the things that I took from that very very poor childhood is I really don't like getting gifts. You do not. I like giving gifts, but I don't like getting them. And the reason for that, Dr. Paul, is I realized all those Christmas presents and all those birthday presents my mother gave me, she could not afford one of them. And once I realized mm. that, it really affected me deeply as far as getting gifts from people. Well, now you should realize that we can afford gifts for you and accept them and not be <laughs> know, weird but, about it. But, you know, she worked so hard, and I, I wish you were still alive so I could say, you know, I do realize now that you didn't have the money to buy seven children gifts every Christmas, but she did it every year. I love Christmas because she did it every year, and she did not have the money to do it. I guess she put everything on layaway or something. Yeah, my, mom, my mom did the same on the house she yeah. did. It was like magical. Isn't that wonderful, though, Dr. Paul? You have, you, you have poverty. You have, you know, your, your situation is, of course, much more severe than that. You overcame it. I hope to think that I overcame it. A lot of people I know did. So is it America or is it the world? Can you overcome these problems in the world or is it only in, in America? Well, thank, uh, we've seen dramatic reductions in poverty around the world. Um, India and China are going through massive transformations where 10, 15 years ago, 80 or more percent of their population were living below the poverty level. Mm -hmm. There's an, a rising middle class happening uh, throughout India and throughout uh, China. And I would say also I've spent most of my time uh, working in sub-Saharan Africa. There is an African renaissance underway. You're seeing economic growth in most African countries now, and you're seeing the emergence of a middle class, although most of the entrenched poverty around the, you know, the worst entrenched poverty is still in sub-Saharan Africa. Yeah. You know, the thing that worries me is that the climate crisis is affecting the ability of these societies to sustain economic growth. And we're seeing uh, the migration crisis from the Middle East into Europe. I know that's linked to the uh, religious wars that you referred to earlier, but it's also definitely associated with the drought and the climate crisis. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so. No, I was just agreeing with you. You're absolutely right about that, that it's just... The world has, what, almost 8 billion people in it now? No, we can't sustain that. I mean, I don't the way see we're how, going. Can we, Dr. Paul? Can we sustain 8 billion? The reason I bring that up is because when I started my morning show uh, in 1986, it was April of 1986, there were, f I believe, 4.3 billion people. In 33 years, we have almost doubled the population and, of Earth. And, and right now, the birth, the birth rate right now is more people in poverty yeah, it is. They have yes. three kids yes. to every kid that's not do, in poverty. Yeah. So that's a big part of the problem, too. So what do we do about that, Dr. Paul? So the global population right now is around 7.5 billion people. Okay. And it's expected to continue to climb to 10 billion people by 2050. And I think you're asking a very important question about whether the, the Earth can sustain uh, that number of people. And the answer is... We'll do, we have to optimize the quality of life for everyone that's born, you know, and we need to rapidly uh, reduce population growth. Like uh, your colleague said, uh, when, uh, when people become more economically uh, empowered, they reduce the number of children that they have. Uh, and so you're right, poor families in Africa have an average uh, size of about five to seven kids. But they, they, actually, you, they, they actually consider that being wealthy. If you have a lot of kids, you're considered they consider that wealth. Really? Yes. Well, and they're doing it for survival, right? They're right, doing it right. to workers. Uh, have, have workers, workers to to raise uh, raise food, to grow food, and yeah. raise animals. You know. So yeah, I think that we um, we in the we humans are pretty damn smart, and we have the ability to help people lift themselves out of poverty. We know how to offer people contraception so they can reduce 
the number of people, uh, the number of children that they have, they can choose to reduce their family size. We know how to offer those programs globally. We can, we can reverse the climate emergency if we join forces and do that fast. You know, two things, Dr. Paul, as we come to the end of the hour here. Um, you should call me every morning at 3 o'clock when I wake up and say, Hey, Tom, it's a great day. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> and on the other hand, you've ruined my life because now I think of L.A. Nick as my colleague. Thanks for that, Dr. Paul. <laughs> gee, gee, thanks, Tom. <laughs> gee, gee, thanks. Really, really appreciate that. <laughs> Dr. Paul, you're, you're a great guy. You know, I, I, I love people like you because you could have just, as I said, sat back and felt horrible about your life. And you would have every right to because it should not have ever happened to you. But you didn't go down that road. You went down the road of, I'm going to do something with my life because I only got one shot. And I'm very, I don't even know you, but I'm very proud of you. Thank you, sir. It's terrific. Dr. Thank you, Ellie, Nick. Yep, You're my you. colleague, too. Ah, God, <laughs> here we go. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> thank you, sir. Have a good day. Dr. Paul Zeitz, Bye-bye. the book is called Waging Justice. What a great, see, uh, can we get more people with a good attitude? <laughs> not many around. There are not many around. There's not many around, I'll tell you that. But he, he kept talking about how we're all smart. We all have the ability. You know, it's well, not humans like, are, oh, you're the humans worst. Humans are amazingly smart. They are. And you know what? Desperate humans are even smarter because they, they, they have that need that they have to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, so people that are comfortable in life, they're not as smart because they don't. Because they don't have to be. They don't have to be, yeah. Well, that's very, well, that's very basically true. the uh, yeah. entire driving force behind evolution. So Yeah. Yeah, it is. That's why humans are smart is because we have to be. Where'd you find him, Cassie? Uh, that, his PR person sent me an email. I got it this morning. So Great guest. Yeah. Wow. He was, was quick. God, it was just wonderful to have somebody on going, no, no, everything's good. We can move forward. No, we're not going to all die of overpopulation. I'll tell you what. If you, That's nice. If you travel the world, I've been traveling a lot. Mm-hmm. And you come, you know, people don't realize how good we have it in this country. I don't care how messed no, up don't. it is. You're right. How messed up and screwed up it is. It's still a really good place to be. Well, it what, really is. What's nice is if, if you disagree with him politically, he doesn't seem like the guy that would, you know, attack you for not agreeing with him. He would no, have could, a discussion yeah, about yeah, it. I can already tell you, I mean, we're probably polar opposites politically. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. you think you are? With who? You and Cassie? No. No, with the guest. Dr. Paul. Doctor. Oh, I don't think so. Oh, I know so. You think he's very, very liberal? I think he's, he's probably pretty far left. You think so? He uh-huh. seemed moderate to me. Yeah, he kind of seemed yeah, moderate. moderate. Yeah, moderate. Yeah. Well, moderate's what I am. Oh, well, not moderate left. You're I'm moderate. Not, I'm oh, there's a moderate, moderate left and a moderate right now. Of course there is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, like a, it's a scale from 1 to 100. <laughs> when my colleague had to say. <laughs> yeah. My colleague, L.A. Nick, told well, me. Why did he just say where he lived? That's why I wanted to know where he lived. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he lives in the D.C. area. Yes, which means he's probably living. Yeah, and, he, yeah. and he's worried about the, the, he's a great guy. the uh, environment. environment. So I'm just, I'm not saying anything bad about any of that. I'm mm-hmm. worried about the, the earth too, but it's not my first world. How they priority. approach it is different. Should I have told him, hey, listen, Dr. Paul, I'm lighting up a big Winston 100 right now. <laughs> we'll be right back, Tom Bernard Show. 